0: Of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, It's time and to
1: We're live. It is be Monday, May 2nd, 5 06 p.m. We're a little late because we we're busy chatting. Uh and we have an amazing guest today. We're excited to have Del harvey um, vice president of Twitter, Trust and Safety. Um just kind of one of the founding mothers of all trust and safety and content moderation things, generally 13 year veteran of Twitter. I could go on um, about your CV, but um, really quickly, Scott, we had kind of a loss, not kind of a lot, a huge loss in the, in the legal philosophy community. So uh, I know that there's been, I've missed this conversation with other things today, but kind of let us know what happened. So,
0: uh, so um, the thing is, so Joseph Raz um uh passed away um whether it was this morning or yesterday but the news came out this morning. Um and the thing is that um he is he probably I mean certainly the greatest living legal philosopher but also and also he was my supervisor and he was many people's supervisors. Um he really taught all of us a whole kind of whole generation but the thing is and this is the i mean with kind of you know in every field you get to you either at the moment where the, the giants walk the earth or you come after it and you know legal philosophy was real it was really bad for a long 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 time and then and then this guy HLA Hart comes along and he writes the concept of law and he like completely like you know resurrects the whole thing and then the two main students are joseph raz and ronald dworkin and who kind of hate each other um and are fighting it out over hart's legacy and who's going to be the guy who takes over and so i was you know i i was a student at the time when the giants uh the giants walked the earth um and you know HLA Hart died in ninety-three. Um, Ronnie Dworkin died, you know, like four years ago, five years ago, and then now Joseph Raz died today. And so, in a way, like you know, they're gone, and so it 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 feels not only sad about Joseph, who was a great man um, and an amazing thinker, but a kind of generational a kind of end of a, of an epoch. So I just wanted to say yeah.
1: that. Yeah. No, I'm really glad that we got a chance to mark that. It's super significant. I know it's a little bit outside the realm of what we're talking about today in some ways. In some ways, it's not, actually. Um, and uh, maybe we could, I would love to do a show about that on Monday, actually, next Monday. Like, I think that, like, I, because I would love some edification on, like, that whole, the movement sure. and the story. And you yeah, would sure be doing do,
0: But 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 uh, first of all, I would love to do that. But next Monday, we're going moreling, so.
1: Oh, we go mushroom hunting, Dell. Um, yeah. We're legendary mushroom hunters uh, in New Jersey. Um, she's, she's, so, you're okay.
0: saying you're, you're saying too much. Um, it's okay. all very it's a, all very hush hush. But Dell, you're you're so welcome on our yeah. secret Morel hunt. To be clear,
2: I at first heard Moreau, and oh. the Moreau <laughs> hunt took me to a very different place. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I'm just really still a cyber, was not divided to the moral.
0: Like,
1: yeah, but we're so far in voice to text recognition. I think that this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Del, um, okay, so first of all, uh, you are speaking of legend, you are a legend um, in, in trust and safety and content moderation and online speech. Um, you're but that like is a that is a category that spans, not just tech companies. You have a long history in fighting against kind of sexual exploitation specifically of children. Um, I don't know, kind of just give us um I you can summarize it and kind of probably tell it better than I ever can. So I'd love just for you to give the TLDR on or like well, how you got into this work, what you've done, what the most influential things you've done. That'd be great.
2: Sure. So obviously. Coming up when when I did within trust and safety, it was even less of any sort of established field than it is today. And so, you know, I I followed what I think could only be considered like a rather than like a career ladder or a career jungle gym, more of like a career bird machine. <laughs> where a series of events happened none of which were particularly efficient or expected and and I ended up where I ended up I you know my very first job which was a very stereotypical first job was as a lifeguard and then in a move that was very much representative of of what I tended to do uh, in general the next year I spent a summer as a lifeguard at a level three state mental institution. Because, you know, like- Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I just mean like- And then go bigger with it, or just very different with
0: it. Yeah, go big big or go home, I mean. Right, and and in
2: this instance, I I chose uh, big or at least (laughs) that institution. And it was really interesting because it was a a great opportunity for me to realize just how lucky I had it and how like fortunate I was in the world because one of the groups that I got to work with a fair amount since it, you know, was a lifeguard for the pool were the kids' cabins. So you're talking kids ages six to seventeen, many of whom are likely going to be in state care for their lives, for the duration of their lives. And you would hear you you learn more about what it what had gotten them there, what it what had led to them ending up there, and it really was a, a remarkable just kick in the pants of you know make sure you're not feeling sorry for yourself, and also a real pull for me toward trying to want to do things to make things a little better, maybe right, and yeah. so. I went on to have other sorts of jobs where I I dabbled with things. I I scooped ice cream at Ben and Jerry's and learned how to make the waffle cones and the ice cream cakes. Uh, I will have you know, I I actually was a a shift leader there, which I think was my first people management experience, really tried to leverage that up over the years went pretty well. Uh, Then, you know, also spent some time working as a tech for a kid who had autism uh, ended up stumbling across a website one day where folks were going into online chat rooms and posing as minors and if adults were soliciting them they were kind of taking this scarlet letter approach of like name and shame and i was Like, okay, but why aren't you taking them to law enforcement? They're like, well, because we're civilians, they're never gonna listen to us. And I was young and full of energy and and life and a lot of willingness to make phone calls. And I was like, listen, if I can get an agency that's willing to work with us, will you be okay with working with them? They're like, sure, yeah, no, you can do that. Like, we're all in. So I made a phone call and boy, that, poor agency did not know what hit it like think like golden retriever puppy level eagerness and just like (laughs) hi i'm so stoked to talk to you you would not believe this guy i have here's all of you know here's everything that i've got going on here's all the protocols that i had sort of put into place because i had just sort of created a set of protocols because that's the sort of thing I enjoyed doing, just on the side, as I assume all normal people do. Yeah. Catching um, child
1: predators is like totally in my, it's like, you know. But the protocols around
2: how you do it properly, like that's really where the the magic is, right? So, you know, I, I, I ended up over the course, the next five or so years, we got about, Uh, well over 300 I think agencies ranging from local to state federal to agree to work with us did a bunch of sting operations got a couple hundred convictions out of them and you know once things were sort of up and running smoothly I was like all right I'm gonna go do something else that catches my interest and I was in LA at the time uh, having eventually moved there because it was really inconvenient to get to sting operations from Delaware like just not a good really difficult you had to fly just you no know, direct flights to your sting operations which you're was a
1: there i'm trying not to smile but your humor is so dark <laughs> just, just, i'm just telling you what it is i don't know what the, i don't know what i know i know it's, but like it's just like you're the only person in the entire world that can like, make me laugh talking about this stuff so i'm just saying
2: well exactly delaware as they say you tell people you live in delaware they're like oh yeah that's part of pennsylvania right like it's and your and you're dell Oh, your name Dell because you're from Delaware. No, do you understand how names work? None of this is relevant. <laughs> like, please. Anyway, so as one does when one moves to LA, you know, I did a, a couple odd jobs, but eventually settled down, spent about a year administering psychological testing to reality TV show applicants to ensure that they wouldn't be a danger to themselves or others on the show if cast. So like Big Brother, Amazing Race, America's Next Top Model, that sort of thing. There were some really fascinating and interesting things that you sort of learn around the way, around how different sort of archetypes of behavior interact and how certain things occur and everything else. But, you know, once I had that down, seemed like it was time to move on. And a friend of mine messaged me and was like, you know, I just started working at this place and they're starting to, uh, have issues with with like spam and abuse occasionally. We don't think it'll ever be a big problem because you can you can choose who you follow, but you know occasionally there's there's spam and abuse. And you know when I think of bad things on the internet, I think of you. And so <laughs> I, I was wondering if you'd be interested in you know like doing some contract work. And I was like, this is a great brand. Really excited about this. Uh, fantastic. Uh, which was which was only superseded, I will say, a few months later by Biz topping it when uh, there was a, a question from what was then named the DNA Foundation for Demetian Ashton Foundation that was later renamed into Thorn, which is still around and doing some great work, where uh, Biz responded to an email very sincerely. Oh well, if you're talking about anything to do with child sexual exploitation, you definitely want Dell. And I was like, again, <laughs> phrasing is just it's not ideal the way that's that's going there. But you know, I decided sure, I I I, I could do some things with, with spam and abuse and and I started working on it and one of the first things i noticed is that actually it seems like there might be rather more of it than they than they had realized and also had they thought about any of these other policy areas that that were out there and i, I remember a conversation that i had with biz where i was like uh, so biz what are you going to do about you know trademark on twitter he was like well we've applied for one And i was like good very good good what about other people's trademarks <laughs> on Twitter? And he's looking at me, he's, 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 he's really hoping, he's like, we're not going to use them. And I was like, good, go, uh, sure, okay. What What's your thinking around when other people use other people's trademarks on Twitter? And he's like, why would they wanna do that? And I was like, oh, so you know what what ended up happening at twitter (laughs) yes what ended up happening at twitter is you know i think at a lot of startups you have this thing where everybody really fears uh where it's you know like a lot of turf wars right like people are really like grabbing onto their turf and i had uh more of a of an opposite problem in that people kept coming by and bringing me turf and it was always terrible turf it was just here is more awful turf these are more yeah, awful here. things now it's like actually i do have a lovely awful turf area <laughs> I love. To interweave all of this into, I think we could make a bog if we play our cards right, and yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, this is like you, you really don't want to, have, you know, open up a radioactive waste disposal site in your backyard because people are going to people are going to say, "Could you take my plutonium?" Um, that also like. The thing is, is that your it's not just that your job is the awful stuff. It's your job is like the sticky stuff, like the, like nobody knows what to do with stuff. Um, Is it
2: really awful or is it just maybe not good or is it just strange or, or is it like really, really, really awful? Yeah, it's, it's the kind of stuff that you get to really get in there and, you know, like, spend your
1: time
2: brooding
0: like, around in the human experience yeah. yeah well i mean it's so I, I, actually that is that's I, I don't want to take us down this 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 spider hole but is it
2: spider hole what yeah i've or never can heard we spider go hole with a
0: rat hole or like hole yeah so small with what rat is a spider holes? hole yeah i i so i <laughs> i i, I ISS is uh, spider hole with where Saddam Hussein was hiding in. You remember the spider hole It was, oh, you know, it, it, and so. Where
2: my mind went to just like that, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I actually never heard that term either, but anyways, now uh, I know.
0: Okay. Um, so just, um, um, did you learn something about humanity that you didn't know before, or did it confirm your view about humanity that you brought to it
1: yeah
2: yes and yes
1: yeah okay so expand maybe i mean like I kind of nope, nope, that. That. I really <laughs> answered the question. Look, I answered the question fully. Uh, I
0: don't know. What else. Uh, we did agree to deposition rules. Um, she's,
1: she's like a very good one out. Like, she's like, wait, you asked me a question. i <laughs> well, um, I'm Okay, sorry, so did you want me to go on?
2: Yeah. Where should I start
1: I, I first I with ask- what was confirmed or with what yeah.
0: I learned? Oh uh, Yeah, what you learned.
1: Like, how, I mean, how much worse does it get from doing like to catch a predator and seeing right. that part of humanity and then going to something like this like what was like what what did like what was the content that you were looking at to review what how did it shift like and like how why did it become such a more difficult problem was it just scale i mean i don't mean to say just scale like that's a small right. thing but was it scale or was it like both scale and just like the pure impenetrability of trying to understand how individuals are across the world have all created intricate deeply disturbing ways of talking to each other and trying to sort out basically whether this is just talking to each other or with this is like harm creation
0: right 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 yeah so the point point I one way to put it i guess is is this just a different is it a difference in degree or a difference in kind right that is um, where where the difference in degree of the scale obviously changes the the equation dramatically.
2: So I think that what you see are kind of differences in scale that make other sorts of differences more possible. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's that, a great point. Th- you just you have a higher likelihood of. That said, one of the things that I went into Twitter sort of believing and and still believe is that at their core, people are, like humans are good. And there are all sorts of reasons why people end up behaving in certain ways. I saw... A tweet a while back that was something like, you know, life makes a lot more sense when you realize that everybody is going around engaged in a, in an argument that they started a decade ago with somebody else entirely.
1: Mm, or
2: something mm, along those right, lines. Right. Wait,
1: that's never more true than academics. We hold grudges like it's our business. The polit like yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that that's incredibly right.
0: Well, I, and obviously the opposite of what I what I expected you to say, you know. Um and so so there's a way in which like you, you there's when you see when you see it there's kind of a sympathy that you have towards people who Is it that, is it that, so, so what is it?
2: It is many things, Scott, it is many things. It is, it is everything from when you truly look at how humans interact at scale. And I, I genuinely believe I am one of the only people in the world who has been in a position to see this in the way that I have. The vast majority of people truly are not trying to do terrible things
0: oh I. in fact
2: lots of them are just trying to do nice things or taking delight in nice things or finding hope and help and happiness in nice things and in doing nice things for others and like acts of altruism are a very real thing the challenge is for much the same like you know every single negative interaction that may exist that may occur and it could be a true negative interaction or just the way that that interaction was perceived is going to knock down some x number of these positive interactions and you end up in these situations where the even if the overwhelming number of people out there online are actually like people who aren't doing terrible things there's almost this narrative that gets created around how they all are and I can tell you from, from experience, the number of times when we would look into something where it'd be like, you know, well, there was this terrible pile on and all this vitriol directed against this person some umpteen years ago. And we went in and we looked and it was something like 98% of the tweets directed at the person were positive and supportive. And in the 2%, the remaining 2%, something like 78% of those were made by three accounts. And you start running into like, the thing that the thing is, though, is that like, I can say that all day long, I can say that logical thing right there all day long, tiny, tiny problem compared to all the wonderful things that happen in the world. And if that is not how people are experiencing it, it does not matter one tiny little iota. And yeah. it is not any kind of excuse for it, which means if what we're trying to do is solve for this state of like, how can we try to treat people in a way that is you know equitable, that allows them to, to interact with each other, that, that allows them the, the human rights really around communication and, and free expression, what do we need to have in place for that to be possible. And one of the really I think we're we're at a moment I think where there is very much a possibility that we could be about to sort of start the cycle over again. There's this I've been I've been considering about, you know, maybe writing these as a as a series of fables because I think maybe they would they would uh very come Ted across
1: Chang. Yeah,
2: just, you know, like, you know, the the story of the 0.5 tooling launch, and you know, how that turned out that time, it's
1: like Goldilocks just rolls right <laughs> off. the <tongue>. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> there are
2: there are there, believe you me, there are there's, <laughs> there's a, an alarming number of, of things that, that, that spring to mind rapidly. Mm-hmm. But we keep going from this, like, we should somehow do all of the enforcement in the world to we should do none of the enforcement in the world and then we just go through these cycles of there's too much being done there's too little being done there's too much being done there's too little being done and i have to say one of the one of the things that i'm really hopeful about is is something that you know we've been working on and and that i that i have been really pushing uh for a while around trying to shift how we think about trust and safety as a whole and sort of coming up with some core principles for what we want trust and safety to really be
1: so can you i can
2: wax lyrical upon those i can
1: i would love it if you could talk about specifically i just have seen a preview of the blog of a blog post that you're writing Um, and i would love it if you would talk about it here I just to, to preview for a little bit for people, I think that some of what Dell is talking about and kind of we're a little inside baseball in this conversation, but some of what Dell is talking about, you can correct me, Dell, if any of this is wrong, um, is just the idea that um, the there has been a lot of conversation about returning Twitter to kind of this free speech, quote unquote, environment that really flattens a conversation around freedom of expression that does not kind of understand that freedom of expression is perhaps best protected by a well regulated forum and creating the kinds of rules and transparency and obligations that that creates, um, basically heightens freedom of expression, heightens the amount of pleasure that people get from some, from something like expression, minimizes the amount of pain, and like then everyone can go forward and it can be more constructive. And I think that that is like the sweet spot that all of content moderation tries to kind of get at ideally and trust and safety. Um, but you have a wonderful metaphor for this, and I would love it if you talk about this. This is the health stuff that we that you sent me.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we for 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 a really long time with trust and safety, it was this really sort of you know we were locked into this one to one type of enforcement. Bad thing happens, get bad thing. Bad thing happens over here, get this bad thing. Bad thing happens, get this bad thing. It's whack a mole, right? And if you were to take that sort of thinking, that whack-a-mole, you see a problem and you address the problem when you see the problem, right? And think about other sorts of industries, other sorts of fields where you could have similar challenges. I ended up turning to the field of preventative healthcare. care and hear me out, I feel no, no, very strongly that one of the most powerful things that we could do would be to really try to deliberately shift away from our standard approach of really just doing this whack-a-mole address the problem as it arises to something that is more in that realm of preventive healthcare. And to give you a little bit more context about sort of how those levels play out and why. Uh, for those of you who have not been reading up on your types of preventative healthcare this morning. Uh, the the sort of there's basically five levels, right? Primordial, primary, wait for it, secondary, tertiary, <laughs> quaternary. Boom.
1: That's right. Primordial
2: primordial is the only one where like it really like comes out of nowhere. You know, it's a little thus fake Zarathustra of an entry for me, but you know, I can I can still live with it. Uh, at any rate, so primordial level healthcare strategies are actually meant to make it so that you don't develop risk factors for disease or illness in the first place beginning with targeting the social and emotional conditions in which those risk factors are often observed to develop. So if you were to look at that then as trust and safety, you might think of things like making sure that a new product feature is built in such a way that a specific abuse factor is entirely not present. So for example, at Twitter, eons ago back when we started allowing people to upload their own images we made the decision to just strip all metadata from the image just you you did not have visibility into it you could not exploit it if the person was unaware they were uploading it by doing that that was sort of a primordial level intervention from there you move into primary levels right and those are those are really about modifying your existing risk factors before a disease ever happens. So before you catch the disease, let's modify those risk factors. Those are going to be vaccines, any sort of sort, you know, attempt to prevent something, checkups from occurring either health promotion or specific protection right health promotion checkups good health are you getting the vitamins you need everything else like that or here's your vaccine here's your you know very specific protection and you could see that very easily that health promotion for trust and safety being things like you know encouraging good online behavior through nudges Highlighting known good content, amplifying known good content, these sorts of health promotion mechanisms, again, very literally. And given that we've been talking about the health of the public conversation in Twitter all this time, this also carried over very nicely for me in any number of analogies. Yeah. And then similarly, like specific protections, maybe if you have X number of followers and Why pattern of access we're going to prompt you to turn on two-factor we're going to encourage you to do other things that might make you who are vulnerable in a unique way more protected in a specific way those sorts of things after that this is when it gets really interesting to me it's actually all really interesting i'm sorry secondary secondary level strategies focus on detecting and halting the presence of the disease before you start showing any symptoms. Before, Why did we put you in charge
1: of COVID, by the way well, though? <laughs> I, I, was, I think
2: I was busy and also not my jam.
1: Yeah, I know. Not my jam.
2: More analogies, less direct intervention in the healthcare system. Though I am wearing a pair of big scrubs as, as we speak, so I am doing my part. At any rate, uh, the biggest reason that that secondary piece matters—that early diagnosis and prompt treatment—is you constrain spread, you limit how far it goes, and that secondary protection then provides primary protection for all of your contacts. It's all these sorts of you know additional levels of you know. This is where you're going to look at like just-in-time education or tools, awareness efforts around what you could do if X situation occurred or, hey, like, why don't you, you know, this could be targeted either the person who's about to perpetuate the harm or experience the harm too, right? Because both are sort of targets and potential use cases in this space. Finally, you get to tertiary. Tertiary is where we spend all of our time right now. That's where the harm has happened. Injury has occurred. This person has had the bad thing. Now we are, we are trying at best to, you know, This is, this is the ER, this is your
1: ER.
2: You've been injured. We're just trying to make it better or tell you why this was all really bad. Or, you know, we are trying to limit any disability that you may incur from this and remediate any harms you have experienced as well as get the other person to understand What the harms were that were experienced, and then there's this fascinating one, quaternary, which is all about the overinvolvement of the medicalization in somebody's day to day life. Are you being over treated? Are you being over nudged? Are you being over corrected?
1: Over banned? That's a big old
2: important one too.
1: Yeah. Can I add a fifth? uh, uh, Well, I guess we're technically at six now. Um, But can I add like another level, which is kind of like, I think the quaternary should also embody the impulse to overregulate from an outside perspective, not even within the company. And so this is actually where I think Musk comes into the picture, which is like this flattening of, okay, so I want to just like say for people that don't understand, like Dell worked at the company for 13 years. We just found out that she was, has been doing basically trust and safety since she was a lifeguard in like high school. (laughs) Like There is like, there are levels in which that this is like, an incredibly beneficial descriptive exercise in so many ways but I also just want to say that like what is at risk here is the flattening of all of this and the erasure of all of this nuance and all of this hard won progress and that that is like the thing that feels at threat at Twitter right now um, and in content moderation and online speech generally and so I just kind of like I want to like kind of this is like the most high level that you're going to get Dell to go at like how complicated, we're not doing the 0.5, whatever you called it, like, like, um, you know, thing, we're just, but this is like, this is both sounds really theoretical and descriptive, but this is exactly how we need to start thinking and being more kind of uh, analytical about speech and treating it in this way, because like the danger is And Kate Conger just had a great piece about this in the New York Times. I'll link to it in one second. But like basically that she kind of went through all of like the moments, which is like the deli you were talking about, the whack-a-mole moments, right? And those certainly are super important. Like you are, even in a really well-run healthcare system, you're going to get your COVIDs. You're going to get your AIDS. You're going to have moments in which there are huge, there's Ebola, vi- like there's Ebola, like there are going to be moments of huge contagion and breakout, and you can't predict them and no system can. But if you have a system in place to deal with it, the, the harm is so much less egregious. And so, kind of like, can you talk about a little the fear that you have of like what this returns to and like? Just also, like, it's okay to talk about how you feel about this personally, like, having worked on this for so long and dedicated your life to doing some of scrubbing the worst parts of the internet for humanity, like, and looking at this your whole life, dealing with these people and, like, kind of, like, feeling this, having, you know, every single day. I would just love to hear what what you feel right now coming out of, like, everything that's happened in the last week.
2: I mean, honestly, I feel like more than anything else it's an opportunity for us to once again say these are the principles through which we believe these sorts of things should be established and administered and these are the ways that we should go about doing them I don't there is there is no in my mind there is no inherent Sort of risk, or even like challenge, with like take the take just the core principles for trust and safety at Twitter, and we these these were written, signed off on. Like this was how we thought about all trust and safety policy, and this was just core to everything that we attempted to do. And The first principle is that human rights are the foundation of how we think about and iterate on policy and enforcement. We believe that Twitter's folk approach to policy enforcement must factor in potential impacts on all human rights with negative impacts to physical safety, privacy, and freedom of expression being the most significant and most important to strive to prevent and mitigate. When rights are in conflict, we prioritize protecting physical safety and then try to strike an appropriate balance between free expression and privacy. That is a core principle of how we thought about all of the different challenges that we would then face. The second principle was that severity, immediacy, and likelihood of harm must inform policy enforcement guidance and processes. The third, procedural justice ensures human rights have been fairly applied, promotes fair outcomes, and leads to the perception of procedural fairness. So getting those components of procedural fairness fairness and consistency of rule application, voice and representation in the process, transparency and openness in process, and impartiality and unbiased decision-making. All of these things, and to be clear, I am in no way saying that Twitter has like, yeah, check mark, done, knocked all these things out of the park, but these are the principles which we are, were committed to building. And that I personally, Am committed to continuing to advocate for within the trust and safety community, and you know, honestly, within any community that's going to listen.
0: Yeah, to may I ask? A, the
2: fourth. I will give you the fourth. Yeah. Enforcement outcomes must be necessary and proportionate, and by those four, that was the span of it. Yeah.
0: May, may I just ask? Is this? It, may we find this somewhere? Is it?
2: we um it. If it has, I'm sure I can dig up my own copy of it, if, if not already, absolutely. But
0: so what, I, I guess the question is, what is it? What is it that you just, so-
2: That was so eloquent yeah. goals, and assumptions. That was what I, that was, that was my, my-
1: That was what my, you wrote uh, she wrote when she- My the work, Scott, yeah. on, the, on the But on the this topic. has not been published widely. You're, is that like kind of what you're asking, yeah. Scott? Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. I was wondering whether, because I, I have to say that was unbelievably useful um mm-hmm. and it was actually it it gave struck so one of the things that kate keeps on mentioning is flattening the kind of free speech flattening thing and so the question is okay yeah that makes a lot of sense this notion of flattening but what it, what's the structure look like such so that you're flattening and so what you just described was what was really good so i was thinking i would really like to know where that is so i could read it again i will I also
2: can, just i can yeah. you know work on getting some more of this stuff up on the actual you know,
1: interwebs. And interwebs. I am here to help you with that. But there's like, but I do just want to say that, like, for a second, oh, and I forgot to put in Kate's piece. Uh, sorry, I will do that now. Um, but there was a, um, but I did kind of want to say that there was a something about this that I think that might strike you, Scott, and we've kind of had a lot of trust and safety people on and we've had we talk a lot about content moderation here and online free speech. The, the way that like Dell talks about this is incredibly academic in a certain way. And like actually very indicative in my mind as like kind of uh, an observer and someone who came into the world of like the, like the private world of what was happening and what I was trying to describe when I wrote like the piece. And Dell was one of the people I talked to early on that, like all of this is like that there was an incredible level of sophistication and self-organization around everything that just completely mimicked and actually, reinvented but without any awareness of it really directly like all the time like kind of a system of legality and this was fascinating to me like from like a anthropological kind of setting but also just as a governance issue and then as a way to improve upon and make better once there was kind of a conversation to be had it was clear that these groups were trying to accomplish such similar things and like just not discussing things together does that make sense like public law and like. And like this private corporate law, we're just like not in conversation.
0: So was this the, was that the realization that led you to work on content moderation and the new yeah. governors? Oh, I see. That's fascinating. So, so one of the okay. So that's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's just kind of this moment in which, like, mm. there is. like there is a like a group of people grasping for analogy within these companies that are right. trying to it like and like dell found it in healthcare like dell found you know i talked to dave wilner and other people like that were on twitter or not twitter facebook and they find it in like dave right now is kind of grasping at this idea of prohibition and alcohol use and the change in like the change in Elk, like and how liquor became more widely available from beer and like this entire kind of like anyways this whole notion of like and it's very fascinating to talk to him about this he has an entire like well worked analogy about it but like and then of course like I brought in like a common law type of idea and kind of parsing this out through like this and all of them are correct in certain ways but they're just all ideas that kind of like setting around a system of governing human behavior with a certain type of enforcement mechanism that is the last piece of what del said which is like the really important part which is at the end of the day you they are just like the state in certain capacities in terms of enforcement um and i will tell you
2: also this is the most common thing that i see happen at every site over and over again is picture picture policy enforcement like a bar in san francisco that just opened up a hidden pop-up spot and when you go to this hidden pop-up spot with then you get your cocktail this cocktail is like it is just tuned into your exact needs this is like an artisanal (laughs) handcrafted beautiful perfect cocktail it's the best cocktail you've ever had it's amazing. And you go and you talk to all of your friends about these amazing perfect cocktails. And the next time that you go back, there's a longer line and it takes a little while to get your cocktail, but you get it and it's still fine. And the next time you go back, they got your order, they got they, they fucked up your order and they, they were quick to fix it, but you still had to wait. And like, what was all this about? Every policy team starts with the hope in their heart of delivering individual artisanally created (laughs) crafted policy and enforcement decisions we all do we all have such high hopes and then you eventually realize oh no this has to scale and scale in a way that's actually functional and 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 meaningful and offers people meaningful recourse, and we can there's, no longer do our artisanal handcrafted crafted policies. There's this decisions.
1: buffer zone of like of technology that it creates this access, or like anything is okay. Like at the very at the at the very. I don't know i was thinking i think about this a lot in the context of gig economies and uber and airbnb because they were so quick to develop regulatory mechanisms but there was a sweet spot in which there was they were riding high on bc capital there was like uber drivers were getting paid a fair salary and it was a great opportunity there wasn't kind of regulation people were thrilled to not have the hassle of hailing a fucking cab and (laughs) now it's like and like, oh my God, this driver just knows I can go and like get picked up. Like it was just like, and it made, it made the world safer. Fewer guys and girls like went home from bars drunk. Like people drove less. Like there's all types of huge externalities. And then there's, but of course there's harms. And of course there's all of these things that happen. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But it's just this interesting period, the Delta period. I don't know. I should come up with another word for now that we've rebranded Delta that'd be like an Omicron thing or whatever. (laughs) But like uh I don't know. It's just like a very interesting moment before regulation in which like things are okay, but also really not that great. And there's not clear, it's not clear at all like what the trade-offs are or how they'll be resolved. Does that make sense? And the speech has kind of avoided this because it's speech.
2: Yeah. I think you I think you actually even have a bonus layer in the example that you just gave in that sort of the impact of private ride sharing on taxis was one thing, but also the impact on public transportation and the sudden downshift totally. in use of public transportation and the negative impacts that that had on the people who really relied on public transportation. And you're back at sort of the really what I like to think of as my, my catchphrase for, for much of my time of visualize catastrophe, right? Like what is the worst thing that could end up happening from this? And now let's work backwards from that to figure out how to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, It'd be I a mean a bumper
2: I, sticker, I think also. For <laughs> <It's very> catchy. <laughs> like well, in I mean, the visualize world peace fonts, but like visualize catastrophe. <laughs>
0: right. I, I mean I, I have to say that a lot of the things that you're describing is that what lawyers do. That is when they're I helping their clients I
2: spend that, so much time with the lawyers, it's just Yeah.
0: Um and yeah. I would I would say that um um, I I think actually when you deal with the law on a regular basis, um, like when you teach it, um, that sense that nothing ever works. Um, You know, like it's really, it's a fallen world and it's a pick your poison. And if, you know, if if it works half the time, you're really happy. Um, And but on the other hand, um you have created the expectation of justice um which is really maybe not that deliverable at scale
2: i will also tell you though that one of the most important things in terms of risk when you're thinking about risk is not you know you've got severe like let's say that something could go wrong right? Let's say something could go wrong, it's got a bad outcome. And what what you just flagged in terms of, you know, and 50% of the time, you're going to get it right. If you can figure out a mechanism to let you know the other 50% of the time, if you remember to build in the component that also lets you check for when you didn't get it right, and have that as a feedback loop, which is a frequently forgotten part of the process, like, That is one of the most sort of meaningful shifts you can make, because guess what? You are at way higher risk of something going wrong if you have no monitoring system to figure out if it's going wrong. But people have over and over again, I can assure you that I have learned that people did not have monitoring systems for things that I really would have thought they had monitoring systems for. So,
1: well like I just remember and I'm yeah. just thinking really right. specifically COVID which I was like just taking the COVID test and I have all these boxes of COVID tests in our, and like I just remember driving fleeing the city and being like them talking about how long it was going to take to get COVID tests and like how long it was going to take to develop and one person had right. developed COVID tests that they weren't approved yet and there was like this whole thing And it was like, it's remarkable how much, how quickly we came, but like, that's exactly right. Like we didn't have the thing in place to test for the thing that we were most afraid of. And so they were going to get like secondary and tertiary levels of contagion that were going to kind of consistently and like lead us to stage four, which was going to be just like a completely the scary stage, right? The scary stage of not being able to kind of treat them all like, and their severity and like, yeah. So I just I'm totally with you. I'm am bought into the public health uh, scenario. I think it's a great model, um, and I think that it's yeah, it's amazing. I like
2: to think that it contains all other models through mechanisms. Like if you go even into the mechanism of you know sort of reducing primary risk factors and the and the health yeah. promotion, but, you get to I, pull I, in some I, of the others. Go ahead. So
0: Scott. I, I was just saying. I actually can I uh, I I was. I've I've been thinking about precisely this issue, which is that, um, you know, so I've been working on cybersecurity, which is somewhat related, um, not related, but, but, and so um, one of the things that's really interesting is, is that like, there are certain philosophers would say principles of practical reasoning, certain things that anytime you deal with security, you have to take into account. And the thing you described about, you know, primordial, primary, secondary, tertiary, quad, quadrennial um, is, it feels like a really general framework for thinking about any kind of security. Yes. Um, and and, and, and I, that's why, honestly, and, and the, one of the things that, I mean, what I, I'm actually really interested in is, is, is the relationship between different kinds of security, physical security, economic. Oh, security. It has a lot. Yeah. I have
2: gone down this dark yeah, path
0: oh yeah, no, right.
2: Because this 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 metaphor has really continued to work. And one of the other, I think, marginally interesting things uh sort of about using it as a metaphor is it is, it is one of the most uniquely suited ways of thinking about measuring the positive impacts of things that never led to negative outcomes say more about that can
1: you give me for
2: instance so if you think about vaccines how many people did not get flu because of a vaccine how many people did not oh, have yeah. this so you're particular not able to measure, thing. Yeah. You can't so you're not- measure success in your very classic, we had 3,000 tickets filed against abuse and we answered 2,875 of them in this way and blah, blah, blah. That doesn't work in public health when you're actually trying to keep the public healthy. So guess what? Anytime you are in an industry where you are suddenly being sucked into a conversation where you're being told, can you prove to us how much you made sure didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, proving the it negative. doesn't matter that you yeah. are already, if you are having the conversation about how much you stopped from happening, you are too far down those levels of prevention and the bang for your buck, the ROI that you can get for a meaningful investment at that primal and primordial level, especially with cybersecurity. I mean, my God, it's the sort of thing that should have people's jaws dropping and just begging to go that approach.
0: Yeah, no, right, right, right. so that, that, that's, yeah, so that was precisely um, what I found exciting, Uh, well, uh, uh, one of the things I found exciting about what you had said, what was really interesting also is the way you prioritize one kind of security over another, that is physical security over everything else, which is, that was, that, that's actually a very important principle um, that, that, like, that, that already shows that the whole free speech debate is so flat.
1: It is so flat, it's so yeah. flat, and like this constant flattening of it, this like this mo you can understand how when a person with the Elon Musk kind of reach and tentacles and now power over this platform, like or someone says something about speech in this way, it's like so disheartening to people that have been working and living their entire lives to thicken this like layers. And create real solutions and to then come in and be like, well, let's leave it to the market, like, marketplace of ideas, which is like, obviously everyone in free speech understands. People who actually study this understand that is a foolish notion. And like, but it is like still a thing that goes around. But the idea of it is like so unhelpful is to be hugely, catastrophically detrimental to. People's physical safety, like at the end of the day. Like, Just
2: that's like that the sort actually, of idea you want to yeah. chuck out the Overton window. If you, <laughs> you know, I mean, sorry.
0: No, I, no, fun, I, though. yeah, no, I, I think that that's, that, that's a, it's such a really useful point. We really have helpful.
1: like not kind of questions, which is highly unusual, us, usual for us because we're usually very good at questions. But I'm going to ask um, uh, Dr. Doom. I'm going to unmute you. Go ahead and ask your questions about biological systems, which I think is excellent.
0: About biological? Yeah. Oh, OK. Um, you know, most higher organisms have adapted, evolved to compartmentalize their chambers, and it's thought to, to, to prevent infection, to slow infection. The internet basically has taken a pickhole and whacked right through all of the obstacles and the frictions, and while it has some global benefits, it also allows rapid spread of infection and amplification, and um, it it seems, from what you're saying, you know, in terms of a public health issue, that putting more friction back into the system or obstacles or other things that's part of the structural things that you you want to address. Is that is that accurate? What
2: I would actually frame it around is, and. People love talking about removing friction. People <laughs> love talking
1: about that. What
2: are you, Coast <laughs> I get very focused on removing the necessary friction. Friction exists for a reason, right? And the thing that I think is actually meaningful within that is the thing that I think we have tried to reintroduce this to some degree is all of a sudden you have to do things like verify your phone number go verify that email address go perform a captcha go do all these sorts of things that burn little amounts of human time even the amount of time that it takes you to file a report is in fact a pricing decision to some degree how much of your time effort energy are you willing to put into making this report possible and i think that there is a ton that already happened sort of on just sort of a, a amplification and engagement way around this. But, you know, my my long-term sort of like, world envisioning of those interactions is that there's so much that should be happening around really detecting how networks are interacting with each other and what the sort of net output is of those internets within these systems, that that would allow you to actually better identify where those frictions would be most necessary versus potentially introducing them in situations where you have entirely consensual interactions where you wanna minimize friction.
1: Yeah. I think that that's a really, 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 really well put. I frame it in terms of like, it's not a very great metaphor, but I'm like, when you look at a wall made of bricks, like, what do you say that it's made out of? Most people will say bricks, like, obviously. But like, there's all of this mortar in between that we take completely for granted. <laughs> but it's also, in fact, some of us take form. for granted, Kate. Yeah, some of us some take for of granted. Us. But like, all I of this of stuff. The And this mortar. is like, but the mortar is the stuff that laws don't take into account at all. The gray and area. often don't. The gray area. Illinois is the gray area. It's actually like like laws often are built not recognizing the friction that is unstated in like the various types of worldviews they create. And so like by having these types of like moments where you have technology suck out all the mortar from a fucking brick wall and then are like yeah, make your wall stand now fuckers. Like it's just kind of like it's not going to work. And so there is just this very like kind of I think fundamental like change that is happening in all of this and call it friction, call it transaction costs, call it whatever you want, but there is a very Um, I do think that this is like, this is essentially like deciding how much and how to put this back in is I think key. And
2: for what role you don't need the same cost for every role. Your reader, your interactor does not need your same access, your same powers as your writer, as your publisher, as your whatever, like all of those things are balances. So yeah, you could have something that takes way more steps. Maybe you have to complete more, you know, Girl Scout badges before you can get to that next level.
1: Totally. Del, this has been a joy. Thank you for coming on. I learned so much, just like I learned so much and like I, I learned so much and I have so much more to learn. And this is just amazing. So thank you for teaching us. Thanks for talking about it. I know it's been like, it must you be know, a hard I couple of I am always
2: weeks. delighted to just talk ad nauseum about this stuff to people who like listening to me. So, you know, anytime.
1: I love listening to you. Also major props in your wall, self constructed. Thank you. This is a you. Yeah. 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 So this was, this
2: was, this was more of like the paper craft era. And then, then it went into the uh, vinyl wall. So is, that,
1: is
0: that, is that, is that a cartoon? Yeah.
1: That's wait, the, uh, wait, you've seen that meme. Seen no, meme. A, that was
0: an application yeah. of the meme. Yeah. She's page. got a
1: bunch of the applications of the no,
0: meme. No, 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 no,
2: yeah. no, no. no, no. He's oh. demonstrating it even one more time. Oh, sorry, you're right.
0: But I would, the whole the butterfly meme is he misidentifies it.
1: Oh yes, that's. Oh sorry, yes. Okay.
0: I was going. I'm sorry. I was I was going meta. So I was, meta. She, no, you, Twitter.
2: We were. It, no, that that's Facebook. It's cool. <laughs> we we'll, we'll get it wrong all the time. It's not no. A, <laughs> It's not alphabet either. Like I just just to be clear, I'm not I'm not in any of them. I'm just Del. Like I just care a lot about this stuff and I want to talk about it to everybody who will listen. So you know. Thanks for helping to make your world a little bit safer, Del Harvey.
0: Yeah, and and not only that all of us together. Not only that, but that was super interesting and super helpful. And um and and thank you.
1: Anytime. Del Harvey, you're a great American. We will be back on Wednesday. And until then, Scott.
0: We can't have fun anymore, but we can have maybe, maybe, maybe a thicker concept of free speech.
1: Yeah, oh my God, that would be great. If you
0: want the rapture,